Well, hi, everybody, and welcome once again to Unanchored Boston. And this episode of our show is brought to you by Our Best Foods, featuring Our Best Meatballs, which are available at your favorite local grocer. And by Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things camping. It's in Ware, New Hampshire. And the great George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. All right, Bob LaBelle and Mike Lynch, pleased to be joined by the great Karen Garedian of the Boston Herald. Bob, take it away. She is the Boston Herald, uh, so <laughs> we'll be the Boston Garedian before too long. But I want to, uh, Karen, thanks for being with us. Thanks I noticed that sign says, go Pats behind you, and that's your primary beat is covering the Patriots. But what a strange, weird, interesting trip it's been. Uh, and as Belichick, Kraft, Mac Jones thing is it's just exploding behind the scenes, or is it? What's what is going on with Kraft and Belichick and and Mac Jones? Well, if we go back a week and a half, two weeks to the owners' meetings, um, where both Belichick and Kraft talked separately, uh, Bill was his usual self at the breakfast, <laughs> sitting at a round table with reporters. I saw that. Mike saw that too. He was a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I asked him specifically about the quarterback position because uh, at the end of the season press conference, he was lukewarm, wouldn't name Mac as his starter going forward. So I thought I would check back in on that, uh, it being April or whatever it was. And he he basically made it sound like there would be a quarterback competition Uh during camps, during training camp. And obviously, you know, Belichick likes competition, but it still strikes you as odd, given they drafted this kid in the first round a couple of years ago. Um, You know, given he is the supposed future of the franchise, and also he was wronged last year with Belichick putting in two coaches who had never coached offense before. Uh, And yet Bill was still, you know, his usual non-committal self with the quarterback. Then you fast forward later in the day to Robert Kraft, who couldn't say enough wonderful things about Mac Jones, how he loved Mac Jones and thought uh, he was dealt of also basically said there were circumstances didn't work in his favor last year in that um, he thought that the addition of Bill O'Brien would help that situation. So that brings us to yesterday when uh, there was a report on pro football talk uh, that Belichick had shopped Mac Jones to as many as four teams. So obviously it's like. Including Josh McDaniels. Right. Uh, Who, you know, just added Brian Hoyer to his staff, who who was cast out a month ago. And again, it's just hard not to connect some dots. And the dots you would connect are uh, Belichick didn't like Mac showing up the coaches, didn't like his whining on the field, throwing his hands up and doing this at Patricia. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, 
he didn't appreciate that. And based on the subtraction so far, Brian Hoyer being one of them, who, you know, it's been reported was vocal during practices uh, in terms of Joe Judge and basically saying, look, I've been in the offense you're trying to coach and this isn't the right way. So that type of questioning seems to have gotten Brian Hoyer tossed out. Um, and, you know, at the Patriots' expense, you know, they he, he's, he was due over a million guaranteed, but they cut him anyway. Kobe Myers happens to be Mac Jones' best friend, someone who last year, you know, said some things to the media openly that questioned the direction they were going offensively. And I don't believe the Patriots made much of an effort to keep him. And he signed for relatively low money with the Raiders. So again, you start connecting the dots and news of, you know, Belichick supposedly shopping Mac kind of added up. Well, he didn't exactly endear himself to Mac Jones either. One by bringing in uh, Zappy in the third game or whenever it was, and, and in front of Mac Jones and embarrassing him in front of the fans and creating that, you know, that S storm. Right. Where the fans were, you know, yelling for Zappy as opposed over Jones, making Jones the enemy. And then Belichick saying later at a press conference he couldn't throw at 50 yards. Or he wasn't sure his quarterback could throw at 50 yards. I mean, that, yeah. he, so he, it, it cuts both ways. Both pe- both sides have been jerks about it. And I think both sides need a divorce here. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you can expect, again, this, the slate should have been, in my view, the slate should have been cleared. You know, okay, Matt Patricia's out. You're bringing in Bill O'Brien. I don't know why Joe Judge is still hanging around, but he's not with the offense anymore. I think at that point, it's almost it almost behooved Belichick to get together with Mac Jones and say, "Look, we both we made mistakes last year. Let's start anew. Let's go forward. Let's put our best foot forward. You know, let's make this thing work." Only I'm not sure that that happened. <laughs> so. Um, <coughs> You know, whether Belichick actually, you know, shopped uh, Mac is up for debate. I think the feeling is that he, you know, he might have made some, you know, inquiries, let's say. Uh, You know, he might have talked to some people at the meetings, at the combine, just to try and get a feel for what Mac's market is. And some people think that that was just, you know, par for the course. He does that with everybody. But the problem is, is that given all the background, and if that information comes out, it's damaging. So if he is, quote unquote, if he was shopping Mac Jones around, was he shopping for another quarterback or is he just shopping to get rid of him and going to go with Zappy as his quarterback, or do we say the word, the name Lamar Jackson at all? Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's the intriguing part. 
because you would think uh, with two out of three last seasons, losing seasons, and an owner who has brought up the fact uh, that they ha they haven't won a playoff game in four years, um, you would think there would be some urgency. And if that's the case, you know, perhaps Bill was looking for an upgrade for his quarterback. And, you know, maybe he didn't find one. So, I, you know, as for the Lamar Jackson thing, I cannot see them agreeing to surrender the assets and, and fully guaranteed money for him. I just can't. So I, think I think that's a pipe dream. Because of the nature of the people that are involved. Correct. Yeah. That's why, that's why I can't see it happening. So, I, I mean, I would be stunned pleasantly, of course, pleasantly, because let's face it, this is a quarterback driven league and the teams with the elite or better quarterbacks are the teams that are in contention or, you know, the teams that have very good quarterbacks with great surrounding casts. Do the Patriots have either one of those? So That's Mike, if they were going to start the season tomorrow, who'd be their starting quarterback? Oh, it, it would be Mac. It would be Mac. I think I just think Zappy's being dangled in his face. Interesting. Well, he, he used to lose. You know, every once in a while, he brings a kicker to kind of, you know, tickle uh, Vinatieri a little bit, or or uh, what's his name after him, um, Dostowski. And uh, I think he's doing the same thing with his quarterbacks. Yeah, that's fine, and. The problem is, is there's not, I don't think there's a huge separation between Mac and Zappy, but Mac is better. Mac is the better quarterback. Um, so, you know, I think given what happened last year, given how well Zappy did against some really bad opponents, I think, again, Belichick has that as some leverage against Mac. The question is why? Why do we have to play all these games? Again, I don't. I don't know. Does Mac really need that? Wasn't he punished and abused enough last year? Yeah. You know, having to deal with coaches that he could coach. That's that's all I'm saying. I I, I I'm I'm pretty sure I know exactly what was going through Max Mac's mind last year, and he was saying to himself, "I know." better than my coach how to get the ball into the end zone my right. offensive coordinator that agree right. agree agree and again people want to dump all over matt patricia but again he was put in that spot by belichick yeah you know coaches can coach anything good coaches can coach anything this it's different with offense and mac and i'm sorry matt patricia coached the offense with such caution and safety and, and, and sim simplicity that they were just so easy to defend. And it just mm. frustrated everyone. They sounds to me like frustrated. No, I'm just going to say, it sounds to me like 
that philosophy that coaches can coach anything is is born in high school and is developed in college. And, you know, it's something that Parcells would have preached. You know, if, if you can co coach offense, you should be able to coach defense or blah, blah, blah. But it was a much more less specific league back then. But then now it became a Dante Scarnecchia league where every position had a coach behind it. And, and now good coaches have figured out how not to coach everything. Well, and maybe Belichick can do it. But not everyone is, you know, I, I well, wouldn't. I think maybe Belichick could do it. Maybe his father did it. And that's right. Maybe that's, was, that's where he got it. But it's, again, you have to evolve. It's a different NFL now. Offenses are so intricate and complex, or should be intricate and complex. But there was a feeling in Foxborough that it got a little bit too complex with Josh and Tom Brady basically you know, massaging it every year, making it more difficult, more complex to the point where receivers, good receivers couldn't function in it because they couldn't figure out what they were supposed to do. Yeah. And I think that's where the, the idea of Belichick wanting to simplify it, streamline it, you know, he's been wanting to do that forever. Uh, but he, it would pretty much be stopped by Josh and or Skarnekia because again, that degree of difficulty actually gave them an advantage over teams who couldn't figure out what they were doing from one minute to next. But they just went to the complete polar opposite end last year with just basic rudimentary plays and Matt would just run them over and over and over and over again, where, again, you and I could figure out what they were doing on defense yep. and make a stop. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Karen Garrigan of the Boston Herald among the many hats she wears, beat writer for the Boston Herald. And uh, we are brought to you by Our Best Foods. Next time you go grocery shopping, well, don't you forget to go into the frozen food section and look for a bag of our best meatballs. I know Bob has them pretty handy all the time. I have them. The Smiling Chef in the bag. Uh, Pablo Bell, we've named him, and you find great tasting meatballs for your next dinner or hot snack. There it is right there. And remember, our best meatballs come in a resealable bag. So guys like us that are really kind of slugs can just seal it right up, put it back in the refrigerator, and it makes it easy for you to store away before your next meal. Don't forget to download the money-saving coupon available online at ourbestfoods.com. It's so good receivable, and I can't open it again. I tried to open it. <laughs> I sealed it, and I can't figure out how to get back in. <laughs> anyway, Pablo Bell. I'll tell you that story. I told you that story, Karen? Which one? Oh, that Pablo Bell stupid story. Pa Pablo. What, Michael, we call him the chef on this. His name well, we call him pa Pablo Bell. Pablo one, Bell. Well, one year, one year at spring training in, in Winter Haven, uh, Bob went down with you know his producers, cameramen. Everybody had a room except him, and because no, I don't have that. The desk clerk kept saying, "I don't have a room for Pablo Bell." So pick it up from there, Bob. Well, I said you have to because everybody else has a room, and uh, would you keep looking? You know. She says, well, I have a Pablo 
Well, <laughs> end of story. Yeah. That's how. That's the famous. It's a famous name. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Winter Haven. <laughs> you, you'll be sorry that I know that story. <laughs> oh, I am sorry. I am. Okay. I've been telling it too too often. Right, here's, your, here's one for you. Okay. This is last Saturday. I think it was Saturday. I'm sitting at Granite Links mm. in the bar area, tavern, bar, food, whatever. And the TVs are on. And the, the Rangers are playing somebody. I can't remember who it was. The Rangers were on Channel 5, I think it was, Mike, Saturday. Yeah. And uh, the Red Sox were on. And I'm looking at my watch, and it's like 4 o'clock. I said, what do I, what's going on at 4 o'clock? And I said, oh, it's the NCAA Women's Final. Caitlin Clark, Iowa, LSU. Pretty. So I suggested, you think you could turn one of those I know this is trouble. I know this is trouble right away because the bar's full. Okay. I said, You think you possibly could turn on the, the women's final, mm. turn off the Rangers hockey? Mm. Okay. That was, but then the Bruins were coming on. So the, this was a real generational gap here. I said, I really think the most important game is the NCAA women's final. I don't don't ask me why. It's just about Caitlin Clark. You do you know what's going on in the world? Do you know what the player this woman is? Do you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then there were some grumblings. Then when the Bruins came on, they took it off and put the Bruins back on. So I'm just saying it's of all of all the things, I mean, I maybe it was me that overreacted, but I really wanted to see that girl play. Mm. I mean, she's pretty spectacular. Well, if you saw the ratings for the women's final, um, I think they trumped just about everything yep. <laughs> on TV. So, I mean, maybe not here, but uh, all around the country anyway. Yeah. It just, it just was kind of bizarre that it just was – you know, this society is facing up to what's going on in in the world. And it was right there at the bar at Granite Links. And I could tell that nobody in the world in the back of that bar wanted to see the women's final. All they were interested in saying was a meaningless Bruins game when the Bruins had already won everything they could possibly win during the regular season. Well, I have to say, you know, it, it, whoever didn't want to watch and is a fan of basketball, it was their loss because uh, if you watch the Caitlin Clarks of the world play basketball, I mean, she brings you back uh, to times when basketball wasn't all slam dunk and everything else. I mean, yes, she's a, a big time three point shot shooter. I mean, she, sh she, she shoots from different uh, distances like Steph Curry, yeah. but she's also a very smart, intelligent playmaker, ball handler, uh, and a wizard with the ball. I wizard. mean, I, you know, I, rightfully I've seen references to her and Pete Maravich, you know, how she, you know, is able to play the game and has a feel for the game and handling the ball. And, she drew in a ton of fans and a ton of viewers because you really, I, I mean, while there've been 
quite a few really good women's basketball players. I mean, really good. She even took it up a notch, yep. you know, and, and again, if you enjoy the game or the game, how it was played at one time, uh, it was really enjoyable to watch. And she's very unselfish too. I mean, right. extremely. She's, she, you know, she turns down shots when her teammates have teammates have better shots. Although the chances of her making them are greatly improved over anybody else on the court. Yeah, I, you know. And now I want to bring up the one. I want to bring up one more event in that game was the. To the Allison Reese, uh, yeah. the LSU player, the district. What's mm -hmm. that? You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Yeah. Great. I do right. know. Yeah, what is, <laughs> you know, it was, I thought that was a horrible thing. Mm. Well, uh, Caitlin had done it, the game, Caitlin Clark, you did the game before, two games before that, to, whatever team she was playing too. She so, did. Okay. I all right, then I take I take it back. Right. And so Angel Reese was just basically returning the salvo. And again, me personally, I don't like that stuff at all. I mean, the men do stuff like that. They're big trash talkers. Um but you know what? If the men are gonna do it, the women are gonna do it. And that's just, and that's just how it is. As I said, I personally, you know, don't like that type of thing, that in your face thing. Um, but I don't want to say it's an accepted practice, but it's what happens in these games. Speaking of, uh, of celebrations, what about with, what's going on in Fenway Park now? Every time they hit a home run or... Look like they're going to win a game. We got a laser show going on at Fenway Park. Oh yeah, yeah. There are new lights. <laughs> they're new. Yeah, it, it got to be a little, a little annoying. It's like okay, enough. Game After, three, game right. two, game three. Yeah. Right, right. It's like they were flat. They were showing off their flashing lights. Not I don't know. Maybe fans like it. You better get used to it then, because if they started it, it's going to continue. Yeah. Right. Just won't happen that often. <laughs> Is there any doubt in your mind that the this year? I mean, all of a sudden they've started talking about it, but the ball is definitely juiced. I mean, seriously. I mean, a number of home runs, and even Cora, you know, says he's never seen a ball this time of year fly the way these balls are flying. You know, I would my I would say when has it not been juiced? <laughs> I, I agree. Know. I agree when has it not been juiced? This I mean, they want home runs. They want home runs. With all the rules changes and everything else, it's just like, how much further are you going to go? Except the balls this year really seem to be really juiced, not just juiced, but really right. juiced. Well, for a long time, they, they turned their back on ignored steroid use as well. You know, Mark McGuire, they wanted Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and those guys having this home run duel because it captured fans. So if there's a way for them uh, to, to spike home runs in the game, you know, they'll find a way to do it. Tell me what, about the lights, Michael, about Fenway lights. <clears throat> well, they're, um, uh, the nice guy who runs, runs the show, John Carter, he, he was the video guy, and he's in charge of it now. And 
it's just a, 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 a it's like a laser show. I, don't, I I read about it and I I I've only seen it once, but I thought it was like peculiar that so early in the season, you know, it's like with like the seventh game of the, the American League Championship Series. Right, it was you game know? two or game three. Yeah, it was all this flashing like something, you know. How many games do they play? 160, whatever it is. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And already they're they're celebrating like they actually won something. It's, and it's it doesn't just, happen all the time, I guess. I, I know. So well, it's like Sweet Caroline, and it's like the wave, and it's all these other little gimmicks that you have at the ballpark that have nothing to do with the game itself. <laughs> right. They used to be. They used to do a thing when the when the foul ball went up, up over the backstop. I go, Bob. They have to justify the cost of tickets somehow, right? Yeah. Well, they're still getting, despite finishing last last year, and um, not looking to climb much higher this year. They're still like you know school night, uh, middle of April, uh, early April, I should say. They're still pulling in twenty eight, twenty nine thousand. Yeah. Pretty good, and I, I, I've always, I've always maintained, it doesn't matter who they're playing, because I think Fenway is an attraction itself, and I think ownership has come to realize this. No matter what team we put on the field, no matter how much money we spend, you know, as soon as school gets out, we're going to bang thirty five, thirty six thousand every single night, and on on odd nights, we're going to get to high twenties. Yeah, well, we'll see how long that lasts. I mean, if they, if they're really not good and have and have zero chance i think you like last season you'll see the the numbers dip you'll see lots of empty seats you know like toward the end of last year um so again if you don't spend on the product if you don't you know get the type of players that make you competitive if you don't re-sign the xander bogarts of the world and the mookie Betts of the world uh, it it ticks off fans, and again, seats aren't cheap. Yeah. So it's going to make families think twice because it's not just the seat you're paying for; you're paying for the food and the parking and everything else. Hey, I'll watch them at home if I'm going to watch them. <laughs> so, and, and the other thing, if you're going to start talking about the Red Sox in that way, this is probably the least interesting conversation we could bring up because they are I, I don't know if you agree that they are the fourth ranked team now in town yeah for sure yeah. Uh, but Chris Sale I mean it, it, if you're gonna, he's going to be like the, the guy to pick on because he's like the he is guy, he's got the one with the big contract and the least able to deliver on it and all of a sudden he's going to become the villain of this team if, the, if something doesn't turn around yeah. Well, as admirable as it is for him to continually fall on the sword and say how terrible he was and blah, 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 blah. Uh, at some point, people, again, look at the Red Sox should be looking at the contract they gave him, all the millions of dollars they've gave, given him. And I thought I heard something the other day that after however many years it's been, he He's only had like five or six wins. Five, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, 
talk about busts. Yeah. Smoke. Holy it's, it, smoke. It's, it's the worst. Con I mean, if you look at the Adrian Gonzalez, you look at Pablo Sandoval, and this may be worse than that. Yeah, it's it's up there if if not exceeds yeah. that. Well, I would even say exceeds, and the reason is he's a pitcher. And I know it's only once every five games, but again, your number one starter, your ace, the guy you pay all the money to, and that's what you get. That's bad. Remember Luke Gorman, uh, wonderful guy, and, and you, it was anybody pretty much you got an interview with Luke Gorman. I went in there one day, and um, he said, "Yeah, come with me, my friend. I, I got to distribute the checks first. Lou himself was going to every locker and putting checks, but he would open them and show me. He goes, here's, here's Clemens. You believe this? You believe this? What he's getting? And Jack Clark was on the team at the time. He says, "Look at this. He, he opens it up, shows it right to my face. You know, and I'd say, holy mackerel! This is like uh, I think every two weeks they get paid. It's better well, than being I'm, a sportscaster. Yeah, I'm trying." <laughs> I'm trying to do the, the math really fast in my head, you know, without a without a calculator. But uh, it, it's it's the same type of thing. I'm like, wow, anybody even knew how much money Jack Clark was making, you know, for what he's doing. And now, of course, every every contract is is public knowledge. It's all to me. I, I mean, it's all insanity. I mean, good for the players that they can make all this money, but it's almost like incomprehensible. Again. The millions and zillions of dollars that these. How'd you like playing a golf? How'd you like to be a pro golfer when you you know you walk away with you finished tenth and you walk away with you know eight hundred thousand dollars in a week? It makes me think I've, I've got into the wrong profession. You know, <laughs> no, we all. Which brings, my, brings me up to the next point, Karen. Yes, yes. This was a town that what had seven newspapers at one point. Yeah. So seven or eight newspapers. Think about that. And now we got two, uh, and now this was and, a and barely, and it's barely two. <laughs> barely, I got you. No, I understand. We're all hanging on by the fingernails. And then the Sports Illustrated comes out with the article. I don't know if you saw it or not. Karen John Wertheim's article about sports anchors, local sports anchors, about they're done. It's over. The, the, uh, there are no such things anymore as local sports anchors that are. Uh, you know, identify with the towns. Mm -hmm. That was a couple decades that it happened, and Mike and I happened to be part of it, right in the middle of that. But it's gone; it's over, uh, and it's it's no different. I think the three of us are in the same boat, and it seems to be sinking. Yeah, we're on a sinking ship. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, all the it's not just the Herald; it's also the sportscasters of Channel Four, Five, yeah. Seven, Twenty Five, you name and, it, and your station eliminated the sports cast. Yes, that's what they tell me. <laughs> I know at six o'clock. Unbelievable. I, I how? But how is that even logical? Again, well, I don't know. Aren't we? Not, because if, if Mac Jones were traded tomorrow, that would be the lead story at six o'clock. Right. So that's not. That's not, have, not a total elimination right. of sports. It's just oh, saying. Okay. It's I just saying sports is not important. Well, you know, maybe if you're out in, I don't know, some podunk town. Mm -hmm. But this is a major mecca of sports, all sports. And 
I don't know. Have I missed interest dipping? No. In, in, in no. the local teams? No. So it is not just the reason is this. It's the cell phone. You, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a big jump from turning off the TV at six o'clock when you already know them what the news was at two. If Mac Jones, no. Jones were traded, it would be all over this right now. Yeah, but also it's going to be 70 degrees tomorrow, and I, I don't have to wait till 620 to, to have, uh, uh, you know, Dick Albert tell me. So that's that, how, so that's how it, that it's making sportscasters uh, irrelevant. irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, how, well, what about writers? How do writers, how do sports writers, uh, you know, if, if it's the Herald today, it'll be the Globe tomorrow. I mean, it's, the newspapers are not the source of the news that they once were. Television stations are not the source of the sports news as it was. Uh, what, I mean, seriously, what? It's true. I can't argue. I mean, when I first started at the Herald, the circulation was up over 200,000. And our sports staff was well over 20, just the sports alone. And now I think I would be hard pressed to tell you that the circulation is 50,000. It's probably less. And our sports staff has shrunk to seven. And, which means we can hardly cover the the major teams in town, or it's up to one person to cover that team all year. I mean, it's just that you. Well, no, I I have a partner on my beat, Andrew Callahan, but our Celtics beats and our Bruins beats, which right now are two of the most significant beats, are one are manned by one guy. That's it. But you know. I'll be do I'll be you know given this is kind of the Patriots off season although there's never an off season you know I'll be doing some Celtic stuff and maybe Bruins stuff you know as needed as I can but there's also an NFL draft coming up so it's sad it it really makes me sad but it also makes me somewhat thankful that you know when I joined a million years ago uh it was an important and not irrelevant thing to be a sports writer or even Bob or you, you were significant people in Boston because of you delivering the sports, how you delivered the sports. There was an interest and a fascination in all of that. And people couldn't get enough of stuff that you would write in the paper. Uh, now everything's online. So Forget the paper. But again, I don't think I don't think the age of, of kids coming up, they don't even know what a newspaper is, but they don't know the significance of placement of stories in a paper or, or what what the powers that be decide is the most important thing to put on the front page. Tell us how that works. Well, again, it it's you know, there's decision makers at the newspapers who decide what's the important news or what they want to highlight or want, what they want to feature. In the Herald's case, it's a front page and a back page because we're a tabloid. With the Globe, it's what's on the broadsheet 
and leads of every section that they deem to be the most significant piece of news. But I also think people reading, again, having a paper in front of them and looking at the news or having both papers just for the perspectives is so important and so significant. And again, it's also what's on their back page, what's on their front page to try and, again, I don't want to say influence, but it's kind of pointing out the things that people should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like web surf, you know, yeah. it's web surf and oh, or just finding the place you don't have to pay for the news. Michael, who was your favorite athlete that you've ever covered? I'm going to ask St. Karen, I'm going to ask you the same question. In all the years that you, who, who was your favorite athlete? You know, it's, it's funny. He's in my top three. Um, but the, the obvious ones would be Bird and Tom Brady. But Marvin Hagler was up there for some reason. He was up there. You know, I just I just love the fact that he trained at a gym above a hardware store in Brockton, uh, that he was loyal to the bitter end with Goody and Pat Petronelli. He never got caught up in, in the, uh, you know, the whole pretty boy Las Vegas type thing. When he went to Las Vegas, he didn't, he didn't train in the, in the ballroom of Caesars. He went to Johnny Taco's gym, which was behind a liquor store, I think, or a hot dog. And you have to like duck your head to get in. And it was really right out of, right out of Rocky. So he was he was one of my uh, favorite people to cover because he he always he was always very good to George Kimball, John Dennis, me, Newmeyer, and he said, "You guys remember me when you couldn't even see my name in the print; it was so small when uh, when I was fighting the Golden Gloves up at Lowell." And uh, so, like he he would open his door after a world championship fight. And uh, there'd be a million people waiting to talk to him. And, you know, Goody would go, uh, Mike, Bob, George, come on in. You guys come on in. And they'd shut the door. And the four of us would have 15 minutes with Marvin Hagler all by ourselves. Um, so he, he, he was one of, my, one of my favorite people to cover. Karen? Well, I didn't cover him necessarily as a player, but I dealt with him as an agent. And... Uh, my guy would be Bobby Orr. And um, I obviously grew up watching hockey, watching Orr. And, you know, when you're a sports writer, you try not to be in awe of anyone you, you yeah. cover or meet. And that's, and that's really important. Um, but I'll tell you one quick, try to make it quick, a story about Bobby Orr. Um, that kind of sums him up. Um, and, and again, I was blown away by him. I was, I had just started covering the Bruins beat uh, full time. And I was at the, at the paper one day and phone rang. I answered it as all early uh, reporters did those in those days. And the gentleman on the line said, uh, would Joe Fitzgerald be there? And Joe Fitzgerald was a former longtime sports columnist at the Herald. And I said, no, can I take a message? And he said, oh, can you leave a message to have him call Bobby Orr? 
<laughs> and I'm like, I, I was literally, I couldn't say a word after. <laughs> I couldn't. Oh my God, it's Bobby Orr. And and like I couldn't, I couldn't talk. And he's like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I I I, I compose. I said, oh yeah, yeah, sure, Bobby. I'll 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 leave the message. And he said, um, who am I speaking with? <laughs> and I spit my name out. And he said, oh, I read you all the time. Wow. Me, dead silence again, like, <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> and then he said, well, you know, you know, I'd love to meet you sometime. Okay. All right. <laughs> that was nice. I hung up the phone. Weeks later, weeks later. I am sitting in the old, old Boston Garden press box, which you know is above the, you know, right yeah. mid ice. Yeah. And I'm in the press box alone, uh, writing my early notes. The then press steward, you probably remember Frankie Vona. Sure. Uh, comes down to me where I am sitting and writing and he goes, Karen, come with me. There's somebody that wants to meet you. <laughs> and I look, I look down and there's like nobody there. I said, Frankie, there's nobody there. And he goes, Karen, just come. So I, again, I walk to the end of the, of the press box and I'm looking down the steps, nobody looking around. Frankie, there's nobody here. And Frankie gets a chair and then he points up and I look up and it's Bobby Orr in a luxury box reaching his hand over to to shake my hand so i'm standing on a chair now <laughs> being great. introduced to bobby i mean he made good on his word right yeah yeah uh i did get to know him after that a little bit and for like the greatest player uh, hockey player who ever lived i mean you couldn't meet a more down to earth not affected by fame type of guy. And so I enjoyed that relationship and also dealing with him as an agent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, can I tell you my war story now that she brought it up? Sure. <laughs> Did I tell you this, Michael? Drive, driving back to the Tucker Anthony to go, okay. Oh yeah, it's pretty funny, but yeah, go ahead. So we're at the Tucker Anthony down in the Cape. You know, it was at the, at the uh, Oars Club, as a matter of fact, is where it was played. The Ridge Club, yeah. Yeah. And um, so we're shooting, they were shooting the Tucker Anthony in the morning, and uh, Fisk was involved down there, and so was Ord. They both had to get, along with your, myself, up to Nishotic to play in the Pro-Am was the senior pro-am in the Shattuck in the afternoon. And so I, you know, driving back. And so believe it or not, I'm driving and Oren Fisker, I'm taking him back with me. So I'm like the chauffeur. Okay. So I'm driving back and we're, it's not lost on me who is in the car with me and I'm driving Oren Fisk. I think about it. I mean, at the moment, I mean, it's like, you know, here's this kid from Ohio. It doesn't know, jack about it, anything and I got these two guys that are probably in the two greatest photographs in the history of Boston sports in Oren Fisk and uh, blah 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 
So we're getting we're up kind of up about Braintree and you know conversations just was going along. I don't know what we're talking about. Obviously, we don't talk about relationships. We talk about golf or stuff stuff like that. That's what guys do. So I said, I have a question for you guys. I said, if by some you know terrible circumstance we drove off the road and were killed in a car crash, what do you think the headline in the Herald would be <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> And Or said, "Well, don't worry, you won't be in it." <laughs> <laughs> and Fisk jumped in. He says, "You probably won't even make the story." <laughs> so, anyway, that was that's my. But I, I suppose my favorite was, for all kinds of different reasons, was ML Carr, just because of his personality. And we did a TV show with him, and he was special in a lot of ways. But. Um, you know, there are plenty of others. I'm surprised he didn't say Brady, Karen. I'm surprised he didn't. I mean, Lynchy did, and I know you said close to. No, I didn't want to. I didn't want to pile on. So. No, that's gone. <laughs> pile on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean you worked with Orr. That was obvious. with Brady and all this. You know, think about Brady. people that are listening to this and saying, "How? How can how, she got to work with Orr and Brady and?" They got to work with Bird and all, and she, you know, this woman did everything, and those guys did everything I always wanted to do. But in some ways, it's kind of overrated, isn't it? What's overrated? Our jobs. Oh. Well, well yeah, I don't think people understand the whole, <laughs> the whole nature of our jobs. <laughs> you know, uh, long Why? days, long. It's like all day, every day now. Uh, there's no breaks because again because of the internet news is constant and yeah. you're responsible for it so it's a whole different animal than it was you know when i first started um but um yeah brady would be up there i don't want to shortchange him nope. uh, <laughs> but the thing i liked about him is again it's as great as he was a player he always made himself available to me, at least to me, I can't mm -hmm. speak for others. You know, if I needed something, uh, he would be at his chair at the locker and, you know, he'd always call me over when I kind of gave him the eye. And, you know, he, he was always accommodating and, you know, he treated me with respect, <laughs> which is important. Yeah. And everyone not noticed or notices or did notice how he would always address me by name uh, during press conferences. And again, you know, maybe that was a sign of my age <laughs> and being around the longest. Uh, but I thought it was also sweet that he did that. I mean, Belichick doesn't call you by name at the press conferences? <laughs> uh, there might be something he's muttering under his breath, but no. <laughs> he does. He actually does on occasion. He does on occasion, but it, it kind of depends on the type can you, of- Can you tell if he's going to give you a good answer by whether he uses your name or not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, one time I asked him about, uh, I don't know, some, maybe it was something with the Naval Academy or who knows what I asked, but it was a question that he liked. And he actually said, yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Karen. So then he went wax poetic for the next half hour on who wow. knows what, you know, long snappers. 
whatever. So must have been a Friday. Must have been a Friday because he's very very good on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no carryover though, right? So that oh, no, 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 no carryover no. between that question and the next and that press conference and the next question at the next press conference. You know, if you ask somebody he doesn't like, you get the stare, the death yeah. stare, you know, yeah. the, de the death death stare. <laughs> hey, let me take let me remind the, our, our our listeners and our viewers out here about Cold Springs RV. Yeah, and camping season is right around the corner. It's here, and if you're thinking about a motorhome or a pop-up camper, go visit our friends at Cold Springs RV in Ware, New Hampshire. At Cold Springs RV, you find a huge selection of the latest and new and pre-owned campers for you to choose from. If you want to check out the great deals today, simply go to coldspringsrv.com. That's coldspringsrv.com. They are the best. On their website. Yeah, just care. check out their website. Yes. You know, um, Brady has to be up there. You know, I, the uh, when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, they were staying at the Fairmont in New Orleans, and at, at the time we had the coaches show, which entitled us to two rooms in the team hotel. Well, my room happened to be right next to the room Bill Belichick used for his office. He didn't sleep there, but they for his office. So it was Wednesday of game week because they because 9-11 they didn't have two weeks off remember they beat pittsburgh that's right great sprained his ankle right. yeah. and they flew right to uh, new orleans so i come walking to my room and brady's sitting in a chair right outside my door let's say i was 201 belichick was in 202 yeah. i said i said what are you doing he says well i'm waiting to, to find out who's going to be the quarterback on sunday i said oh who are you waiting for he goes well bledsoe's in there and um, I'm waiting for you know uh, for Bill. So I fiddle like that. Like okay, I can't find my room key. I, I'm gonna stand there for a half hour. If I have to, you know, not, not, my 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 door went open. And so finally, the door opens, and Bledsoe comes out. Doesn't even look at Brady, and just goes down the hallway. Obviously, pissed off. Yep. Tom gets stands up, looks at me, shrugs his shoulders, and goes into the room. Now I'm running, looking for a glass to put against the wall, you know, so I could hear everything, blah, 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 blah. And I see him come out of the room, and I said, Tom, Tom, what? He just gave me a thumbs up. I said, can you do an interview? And he said, not right now, but call my room in about a half hour. So I called him in his room. He goes, I don't want you to come up here. I'll come down to your room. He comes down to my room, and I know I had two queen-size beds, uh, you know, like like any any other room, you know. He walks in and he goes, wow, look at this. And he says, look at the ceilings. It's 12 feet high. This is unbelievable. And he's like a little kid. He's got a Red Sox hat on. And we did the interview right there. And, uh, you know, he could just blow me off and say, you know, no. And But I, I've always said the same type of relationship you've had with him. You know, he calls him Mike. And, um, you know, I don't ask for anything special, but, you know, if I haven't needed anything, he always delivered. Yep. Yep. So there you go. I'll throw Ray Bork in there too. There's another yeah. one. Yeah. Or any hockey player. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> no, it's going, uh, you, it's going back to the final four. Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. Um, I want to go back to um, Belichick and Kraft. And I always said when I was doing the show that. I, I, I watched their relationship. I always said that Belichick is two seven and nine seasons when he played 16 games away from Kraft taking taking back control of the team. Have we reached the point right now, if we have a seven and 10, 
eight and nine season this year. Could there be a parting of the ways if this happens this year? I'm going to answer it this way. In theory, yes. Um, Robert, since he's owned the team, has never had back-to-back losing seasons. He's never had been out of the playoffs for more than a year at a time. Um, so, you know, spanning he thinks, his own- he thinks he's responsible for that. Well, of course. Um, so, as I said, in theory, I think any coach would be on the hot seat, you know, again, given the expectation here, both of the fan base and of the ownership. The elephant in the room, and that's how I'm going to describe it, is Belichick passing Shula as the all-time winningest head coach. Some people think that's a big deal. Other people, not so much. But I think it weighs on craft. And I think it weighs on craft because uh, the finger points at him in a way too for Tom Brady leaving, semi being forced out, and then winning a Super Bowl with another franchise. I think Kraft does not want to go down in history as basically letting both the greatest player of all time and greatest coach of all time go. So I think, you know, in a perfect world to him, you know, Belichick will get the record with the team winning and then walk away. That's the perfect world. I just don't know if Kraft, while making these type of sort of threats, I don't know if he would deliver in the end for the reasons I just mapped out. Hmm. That, 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 that is a, a fascinating scenario. Um, and, you know, Robert has the Hall of Fame in his, in his sights himself. Right. Um, and he's, he's sort of uh, like Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman. He doesn't want to be liked. He wants to be well-liked. Not yeah, well-liked. Well Not like well-liked, yeah. I think was the line in, in uh, Death of a Salesman. And that's, that's important to Rob. That, that's very, very important. And that's why I say that's kind of the, the underlying part of the narrative. That, yes, Bill's on notice, you know, because, again, since Tom Brady left, they haven't done much. Yeah. We're now four years past Tom Brady, and mediocrity doesn't sit. Man, this team isn't terrible. They're kind of average. Yeah, right. Average. average doesn't quite cut it with Robert Kraft. So, but will he weather mediocrity for Bill to get the record and then have a a mutual parting of the ways? That's the question, I think. That's the biggest question. Well, that would be the realization that it can never be 
the way it was. It'll never be the way they had it when Brady and Belichick were hitting on all cylinders. It must There has to be that realization that no matter what they do, it's just not coming around again. Not right. ever again like that. Right. But that doesn't mean they can't be competitive. That doesn't mean that they can't put together a team that, that has a chance to win a championship down the road. It just doesn't look like it right now. It's going to be a long time, especially when you look at the competition. Yeah. Yeah, the division. This whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Uh, who has the quarterback? Yeah. Really, it comes down to who has the quarterback. Right well, now, we talk about Karen. We were talking about the schedule and the quarterbacks yeah. the Patriots have to face this year. Lynchy, and if you, if you just take a look at the schedule that they're face, I mean, they got every top quarterback in the league, either home and away, uh, from Cincinnati to Kansas City to, to Garofalo. Yeah. yeah. Every, every nightmare quarterback, you know, they got the guy from Buffalo twice, you got the guy from Miami twice, and maybe Aaron Rodgers twice. Right. You know, every nightmare you'd expect that they have on their schedule, which could lead, in, what logic tells you in this league, that could be a disastrous year for them. Especially if you can't compete in terms of putting points on the board. And that's been the biggest issue for the Patriots. If, if a team scores in the past couple of years, 25 or more, I think the Patriots are like, oh, and whatever, or one in something. They just can't compete with the high powered offenses. And while their defense usually is in like the top 10, it just never, they don't stack up when the great quarterbacks come anymore. The great quarterbacks always seem to have a way of putting up a ton of points. And then when that happens, the, the offense the offense is defenseless. They can't they can't compete. They can't score like these high-powered offenses. And and that's kind of where they're at. They're a good yeah, team. Take a look at these positions that yeah. compared to other teams. Uh, the skill positions. Tackle, line positions, line line skilled yeah. linemen, the left tackle, the right, you know, the, the guys that cover the backside. They're compare their guys with other guys, uh, other other teams. Not only do you compare the, the quarterbacks, but you get you know wide receivers, same, tight ends. You just go right down defensive backs. They're not the elite of the league in, in any way, shape, or form. No, you know I won't even get to the punters. How difficult is it to find a punter? Well, I mean seriously. Yeah. Or a kicker, I mean, they're, they have a very consistent and good kicker, but he's limited in range. A lot yes, of people have, have kickers who can kick it 55, 60 yards. Whereas Folk, you know, who's very good, he's very good from 50 yards in. Yes. But boy, if you, if you need a field goal from 55 or 58 yards – you're not letting him kick it because he can't. Whereas these other teams have kickers where 58 yards is almost like a 50 yarder for them. Yep. And, that, and that's a difference. So I guess the legacy is everything to craft, right? Legacy. Yep. And I guess it's the same for Belichick. I was just going to say that. Egos are built in. It's, they're built into the business. 
whether it's Parcells, everybody thinks about their legacy. Yep. Whether it's Hall of Fame, whether it's Super Bowl ring, whether it's whatever. Legacy seems to be the most important driving force. Let me ask you this, Karen. Uh, I know you've got to run, so we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, does Robert Kraft step aside and let the blood or the dirty work be on the hands of his son, Jonathan, when it comes to Bill Belichick? Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think if, if Jonathan had been in charge, uh, Bill might already be. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yep. I don't know. I don't, Again, I don't know if Robert wants that on on Jonathan's watch either. Again, I think he wants some big happy get the record, and Bill walks off into the sunset, and there's this kumbaya that's a fake kumbaya. But you know what I'm saying? Everyone yeah. is real happy, and it's a happy ending. And then the Patriots move on with Gerard Mayo. How short? How close are they to the record? How, what is it? Twenty nineteen. Yeah, 19 to break, 18, 18, to, 18 tie. to tie. 19 to break. So, I mean, if they have... Is that the same number of games? I want to say, okay, you know, there have been playoff games or playoff games included. Does, has Belichick had more more game opportunities than Shula ever had? Where does where does that even out? And maybe I, it's not a fair question until you did the research. Yeah, I haven't done the research on, on you know, however, how... You know how many wins Shula had and how many attempts or games. I don't know how many. I don't know how that works. I mean, if if Belichick breaks a record and does it in with five or ten more seasons, really, what's the record? You know what I'm saying? It so. Well, that's, the, that's what I'm saying. Right? You know, I don't. I don't think there's that disparity right now. Um, I, I think they're in the. It's in the ballpark, or even Belichick might even be less. So. You know, we'll see, but it's a good it's a good thing to look up. You know what? I I know what Shula, if Shula were around and what he'll say, he would be so pissed off at Mark Henderson and the snowplow that it cost him the one game here in Foxborough. That could have been the tiebreaker for him and Belichick. <laughs> That's true. Three nothing. That was the only 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 points in that game was a three nothing game. Three nothing. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, that I'm sorry that was cool. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> hey, if you're thinking about a new vehicle, go where we go. Go see our friend George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. We've been customers for years because we know George Gray will treat you right. They're a family-owned, operated dealership that we trust, and you can trust as well. Go see the great George Gray at Lexington Toyota. Well, Karen, I'd get, I'd get a new Venza, but go ahead. <laughs> um. This has been great, but the, the hour has flown by. Um, your insight is, uh, is, is keen, as they say. And uh, we, we certainly value uh, um, you coming on the show. It really, really, really it help, it makes us two guys look good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I enjoy it, and I enjoy both of you. And, uh, and, I, and, you know, getting back to broadcasters kind of becoming irrelevant, I hate that, too, because – you guys have been so important during my lifetime and you know, I think it should stay that way. And unfortunately it's going in another direction. Yeah, it is. Well, we're grateful. We're grateful we had our jobs and we're grateful to have you on the show. How's that? 
All right. Alvarez is recovering from uh, rotator cuff surgery. Who is? Yeah. Oh, you are? Oh, oh, can't really. Yeah. My my fastball is a little lacking behind right now. But, right, it's a golf swing that I'm worried about. That's right, the one. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, yeah. are you going to be able to play golf this summer or not? I don't know. I, I still can't walk uh, without a without a, a roller. So uh, we'll see. Well, watch no. the Masters this weekend. Uh, trust me, I'm uh, already pencil in four days. Every every minute of it, I'll be watching. Excellent. All yeah. right, Karen. Thanks for it. Karen, yeah, the three of us ought to go out and play. That'd be some threesomes. Yeah. <laughs> some guy in a, some guy in cane, sky in a wheelchair, and a woman that can't swing a club. Can't swing. <laughs> we'll figure out something. Thanks, Karen. Take thanks, care, Karen. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Time. Thanks for See watching. You later, Mike. Thanks Good for job. listening. Thank you all. Bye, bye. Thanks for being with us, fans. Unacred Boston is a presentation of Unacred Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unacredboston.com. Thank you.